Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast, which is now the weekly podcast, and I'm still messing this up, where we analyze Wonder Woman by five minutes by five minutes. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And my name is Nathan. You can also find me on social media at NoClutchNate. I'm Johnny. You can find me everywhere at Austin Powers Minute. Uh, hi, I'm Preeti, and I'm excited to be joining. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at RomanSkizzers, and also I'm an author and podcaster. Uh, oh, God, so much. You can buy my books at PreetiChipper.com. I have three very exciting ones for Star Wars and Marvel uh, that are available for pre-order. And I guess the most relevant podcast is the Spidercast podcast I'm doing with Alex Segura, where we're taking on our favorite Spider-Man books. And right now we're doing Chip Zdarsky's Spectacular Spider-Man Run. So that's the Spidercast at Libsyn.com. Hell yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that, was, that was literally the best. Uh, the that best is how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah! <laughs> yeah, no, let's do the whole... I got the, well, hang on, let me pull the resume up. Yeah, quickly. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. Th- Preeti, thank you for joining us uh, today to talk about Wonder Woman. Um, and yeah, it's, it's no mystery that you're a huge Spider-Man fan. Um, but today we're talking about Wonder Woman. So yep. I wanted to know what's, uh, what are your thoughts on, on Wonder Woman and how does, uh, um, how does that, I don't know. Yeah. You, you tell does it me. relate to you? <laughs> I, I like, I like Wonder Woman a lot. I'm not a huge, uh, DC reader, so I don't, I'm not like mm. super knowledgeable about her, um, whole like canon lore or like the comic storylines. I basically was super excited about the movie when it came out because, you know, it was like the first major female fronted superhero movie. And then I saw it in the theater and I cried a lot and uh, I went with like six other women and we all just ugly cried in our seats and it was really (laughs) cathartic and wonderful. Um, And so I like the idea of Diana a lot and I like the idea of Wonder Woman a lot and I wish I knew more, but I haven't. I had to make a decision about whether I was going to do Marvel Unlimited or the DC one. And I'm just mm-hmm. so much more in the Marvel space that it, you know, it's, it's not something I have kind of the time for right now, but I want to know more about her. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Y- you got, you got to pick them. You got, you got to, you got to, you got to choose a corner. Right. Uh, especially, when, <laughs> especially when it's a, a career involved. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Turns also, out. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but we're glad to to have you over on this side for for a little bit hanging out. <laughs> so we'll take it. And you also you also work on on Star Wars, which kind of goes hand in hand now with Marvel because they kind of in the same family now. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. Yes, also Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Um, I said I said yes to a lot of things last year. <laughs> that's how it's how it should be. Uh, because uh, 2020 is the year of no. Yes, it yes. is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so today we're talking about Wonder Woman um, week nine minutes 41 through 45. It's going to start with uh, Steve Trevor and Diana setting sail from Themyscira, and they're going to be making their way towards London. Um, and then the minute's going to end with actually introducing General Ludendorff, um, our only real character that I know of. Um, from the World War One history, and it's gonna. We had, end a, we had a boat. The boat was real. <laughs> it's a character now. Okay. The boat is a character now. <laughs> the boat was real. The yeah. boat. The boat is real. But I, it's not a character. Much like New York City, baby, it's a character. 
Oh my god. <laughs> Let me tell you, that that is my only production note for today's minute. It is a very isolated minute as far as like what's intimate. going on. Yeah, very very intimate. Um But my... like in a I think it was I think this is played off this these are this is a great five minutes. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely very, get into um, Diana and Steve Trevor for sure. Yeah. But like, I, I guess that's a good way to start out this minute is, is this production note I have. The only one is really that this boat is, in fact, re- like, there's nothing CGI about this boat, which is weird. Because it's a the, real boat. The they they are, built it. They built it. <laughs> they built it. Wait, hang on. You guys built this boat? They built this. It's whole... not just chairs and a green screen. It is a yeah, boat. Yeah, it's not just like green pillows and they were like, uh, Let's make a boat. hey, didn't they build the they they build the they built the boat in uh, Dawn of Justice, right? That one that broke was that real or was that no? no that was, was that whole thing was CGI. <laughs> was completely fake. That um, whole thing. I actually remembered like that being a point in one of the episodes where like that whole week was all CGI. So yeah, but like so, this boat <laughs> even to the sails are are real like. I, I would you would think like something that would blow in the wind would just be like oh you know those just green screen moving sails kind of like wait huh okay so hear me out we got two (laughs) we got two real boats in this movie uh this one practical boat don't know if it has a name do you uh have to give a boat a name if you build it I think you should Hmm. if you own it. Well, like, what if it's a prop and stuff? Do you still need to? Do you, I think that's we need to look up like a maritime. What law if it's or like the like SS that. Patty Jenkins or something? Yeah, I mean, like, like that's probably believable. But <clears throat> anyway, so there's that one, and then the one in the beginning that was a real boat. That thing uh, was uh, history, real uh, CGI, <laughs> but it was that was a real <laughs> boat that, that was name. in World oh, War. Oh, you're yeah. talking about like the actual cruiser the boat. Yeah, I can't remember what it was called. I lost my notebook. <laughs> when I was taking notes, I cannot find it, man. And I have all my notebooks right here, in right in front of me. And the Wonder Woman one is is not, it's gone, man. So anyway, but I yeah, gotta it, say, this is my kind of podcast already. Yeah. <laughs> that and the fact that we have uh, our cat named Zeus sitting on our mixer, about to pull the trigger on whether or not we're going to continue this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> He's literally like you're he's laying on it and like looking at us, going like I don't know, we might have to pull the plug on this one. <laughs> yeah, we got high stakes over here. At <laughs> but what, what I guess what's so weird is that they built this whole boat down to the every detail about it that they're on is 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 real, and it, it didn't even go out on uh, on to the sea or anything. They didn't take it like honestly, it didn't even leave the dock from last week's minutes where. Uh, Gal Gadot is like, all right, see you later, Hippolyta. I'm getting on this boat. Um, that boat just was there. And then they were like, all right, next scene. And then they just get in the boat and do this whole thing here. And then they and then they just CGI the water. That's it. That's literally it. But I'm amazed that they built this boat. Wouldn't it be funny, though, if they were like, we're going to build a boat, but we're going to CGI all the pillows? Well, mm, yeah. I, I wouldn't put so, it Because, like, think, of, think about it. <laughs> If you wanted to make the pillows like really authentic, yep. Come on, CG. Yeah, I mean, really, the only pillow we had was the uh, bison or whatever the animal was that Diana was sleeping on. I don't know. Ever since uh, Attack of the Clones and Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, I just assume everything could be CGI now. I stopped watching Sky Captain like halfway through. I don't know why. 
anyway, that's where that that's hey, that's my story about Sky Captain. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> um, Thank you. I'll be here all week. So, but yeah, uh, let's get into it. So this is where we see um, the most, I guess. We get the most out of the naivety that that Diana has going into what her journey is going to be. She's answered the call to adventure. She's going to leave with Steve Trevor back to man's world and go stop Ares, point you know, point blank. Um, and this is where we see Gal Gadot really tap into like this young. I want to say young. But naive is usually the word associated with it. Would you say naive? I I think it's interesting because to me it's not necessarily naivete so much as it is just a different perspective. Like a different idea of what reality is and a different idea. It's not necessarily naivete so much as it is just we come from two different worlds. And so, because naivete to me seems a little um, infantilizing for Diana, which is, I know, a reading that is often attributed to her. Uh, but I I love this minute because I think it shows that she is so knowledgeable and that it kind of puts Steve on the defense a little bit. It's like pure. She's it's pure. But to somebody who's been hardened by the constructs of like man made society, mm-hmm. it seems foolhardy. Yes, I would I would agree to that. In that, in terms of like putting it within Steve's perspective, yes, naivete and foolhardiness is accurate. Um, but. Now I I am stuck because I feel like I fall into the camp of um, naivete being a very strong protagonist uh, character is characteristic. Uh, mm-hmm. Now when it comes to Wonder Woman, I would like it, that does make sense that it would be from two different worlds. Um, but then what about when she, you know, after she is in Man's World and she is like learning all that stuff? is it called naivety when after the fact after you know she has the realization or is it still just like oh that was just what i thought uh you know before because i didn't know any better but that's that's naive Uh, are you saying because we know the outcome that we possibly i think that's i think that's where i'm getting stuck at that i do know the outcome because then i'm deeming it naive but um trying to think of a character that uh I can relate to it, but honestly, the only one that comes to my mind is, um, like, I guess, like, how in the Jurassic Park franchise they say about good intentions and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and you think about, like, yeah. Diana has all the best intentions of what that's, she's yeah, doing, and you that's want what I was to root thinking. for that. You want to be like, of course, if you could just go kill Ares and stop all the war and, and mm-hmm. evil in the world. But that's absolutely. in a vacuum. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. But go yeah. go and stab that guy because we all want you to go stab that guy. But then it's like, um, then I'm thinking, is that I, I, it, like the intentions are ethical, like it ethical and like, lo- I guess somewhat logical for it's, her. It's inexperience, right? Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. Uh, it's that she's so sheltered. And she's not yet had those life experiences. She has to come of age in this movie. Yeah. Now, is uh, is is being naive necessary for a protagonist to, especially like in this instance, uh, is is that necessary for a character to grow uh, in storytelling? 
I, it's hard because it's it's like, do you want them to be naive or do you want... Because I do see that, that there's a difference between naivete and inexperience because it's not that she just kind of believes this without any sort of knowledge base. It's she believes this because of her knowledge base, because of what mm-hmm. she knows. She just doesn't know enough. Mm-hmm. She just hasn't mm-hmm. learned enough or experienced enough. So I don't know that it's... You need the aspect of someone being naive or you need the aspect of someone who needs to grow i think those are two different things too because you don't want to like someone who's naive it implies to me that they are in for a rude awakening Mm -hmm. you know that they just the the drama is in the loss of innocence but i don't know that diana necessarily loses her innocence so much as she grows and grows from what she lives through if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. No, I, I, I see where you're getting at because it's not that Diana has a rude awakening and then she's like, oh, okay, then I need to adhere to the structure that man's world has created. Mm-hmm. Instead, she she just foolishly believes that that they can be better just by going and killing Ares. Instead, she goes, okay, now I really see what this world is like and we need to change it in a, in a much different right. way um mm-hmm. it's not that she uh, I, I guess becomes um part of their constructs and or whatnot um but yeah because you can see you can see it in steve trevor when 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 she says like um she says like oh i am that man i'm the one who's gonna do right. that and he has like this moment of even though he says like yeah sure whatever and you know not he's not just blowing it off but there's a a moment of pause and he smiles and it, it's because he he wants that to happen he would love for that to happen and he he's glad that diana has that mindset so um i also love chris pine's delivery on that line because any other delivery it could have seen patronizing mm-hmm. yeah. but the way he like there's like a a genuineness to it like the way it rolled off of him it was almost like i do truly want to believe you i know you will probably find out differently but i don't want to say no to that passion that you have about this yeah yeah there's a lot of ways that and that there's a lot of steve trevor's out in like the different wonder woman stories and stuff like that you can you can blow it when it comes to yeah, there's some how, ba- bad Steve Trevor. How Trevors. you have Steve Trevor um, basically uh, explaining to Wonder Woman how things are, how how she should be acting. Um, th- this Steve Trevor is one of the best iteration. Like I think the best iteration of the character because they do it in a way where he has to be absorbing of of her mm-hmm. uh, her viewpoints and stuff like that, and it's not him going. Like they're stuck on this boat. He's not going to be like, well, he shouldn't be like, you're wrong. This is how it is. This is what's going to happen. Like, it's just, you could write it. You could write Steve Trevor really wrong is what I'm trying to say. And I have a question. Yes. Oh, sorry. No, No, you guys go go ahead. ahead. Okay. 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 So, um, I'm trying to compare, (laughs) I'm stuck on the naivety naivety thing, really stuck on it. Um, (laughs) That's okay. We'll work through it. So, like, uh, somebody that is like sharing the same 
feeling of let's get up and go. We can do this and like uh, having no doubt and no doubting themselves. I don't know. Is Harley Quinn naive or what is what is her makeup? Like, I how feel, do you? I feel like naive implies a that you, despite the world, you have a belief like you have a flawed belief system. Like, okay. despite the proof in front of your eyes, despite the access to information, you still continue to, you know, believe X, Y, or Z, as opposed to the need to grow, as opposed to the need to mature, in which you just don't have access to that information. You don't have, you haven't had the experiences you need to have. Okay. So, uh, okay. okay. Right? Okay. Rose, rose-colored glasses. Yes. That's, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I also feel like uh, if you're, it's kind of hard to compare the two of them because, and this topic, because you have to bring it up the conversation of mental illness. Yes. And how, how she has a skewed view of the world, not due to the naivety, but because she was phys- like, it was forcefully skewed for mm-hmm. her. And so, like, you can't really say she's naive in that fact if she's been like hurt by someone to make her yeah no i would never call i don't think i would ever call harley quinn naive i i like i i take a very strong issue with using naive to apply it to heroes who are growing yeah Um, that's that's what i was that's what that's what i'm really trying to get at because that's I was reading an article where it was like, uh, you know, people posting that naive is necessary for growth. And I'm like, I don't. Well, that's uh, one. Obviously, it's an opinion. But two, how do all these like beginning characters start with like a sense of being naive? And and, and is it just because the world around them is so small? And then what was the proper term for that growth? I feel Um, like and naive is such a negative term. That's why I was trying to figure out in storytelling what is the ways that's just not so blatantly bam right there. Oh, this character doesn't get it. It just feels like if you look at like Peter Parker, because that's my cornerstone, like Peter Parker, people could you could argue that his commitment to not killing, to, you know, being good, to being responsible is naive because, you know, he goes toe-to-toe with the same villains over and over and over, and it's kind of this, like, Sisyphean task of, like, you're never going to truly win. I mean, it's comics, obviously, but also, like, in terms of narrative, he will continue to go up against Doc Ock and Kingpin, and is that naive or is that a commitment to a belief system based on all the experiences he's had and, and his kind of um moral compass like i don't think that's naive i think that's a characteristic of being a hero is your commitment to goodness right yeah it's it's sorry go ahead no no you finish your point no it's gone (laughs) i'm sorry i'm sorry Um, i i didn't i just didn't want to compare it to like um compare wonder woman to like someone blatantly obvious like uh like main characters like the male main characters in these stories that like we see that start out you know in their origins as just some nobody that uh, something happens and then i kind of because wonder woman steps wonder woman is set aside because i mean like she does not come from a place where the world around her is seen as someone uh that was raised Normally, you guys pointed out that I mean, it's two different universes. So like, her growth is different than that mm-hmm. of anybody's, everybody's, even Clark Kent's. Come on. But I feel like in the same turn, like, um, uh, if we're gonna use naivety as a, a, a way to describe how somebody is, it, 
it's inherently always, at least seemingly always, negative. And it's a way of a putting somebody down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> why it's you're putting down somebody's passion you don't understand or somebody's worldview you don't understand. And mm-hmm. instead of understanding it, you just want to put like, oh, it's it's all right. They're just like this way. Instead of, well, maybe you need to change your mindset too, or at least meet halfway. So even if you did say like, uh, you're talking about a male character, we can talk about this too. It doesn't matter, male, female, non-binary, whatever. Mm-hmm. You're just because you're you're seeing the world through a lens that is not somebody else's doesn't mean you are more or less naive than they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you really if you really want to take a character and be like, this is this might be a better example of someone who's actually actually naive, and it, and if it's that model, if if they're the complete opposite of Wonder Woman, but Doctor Maru, who at the end of this scene we we see her uh, Doctor Poison, um, she is easily um, led to to believe a certain thing or to go down a certain path and it's just when when men i guess because it's both steve trevor and uh ludendorff but they they feed into her passion for destruction and and then she buys into it and they're able to lead her manipulate her in any way that that they want um and that could be naive because she she's being led and it's not because like wonder woman at the end of the at the end of the film, throughout all the revelations that happen, she's not being led by anyone. She's just she her her viewpoint just has to change and adapt and well, adjust. Herself. Yeah, she's yeah. just be like, oh, I guess the world is a little bit more messed up than I thought, but you know, we'll work through it. <laughs> oh, I mean, like that was like the beginning. I think that's like what was said in the like first two minutes of this movie, right? Her little monologue. Yeah, yeah I well, just. I, I just keep going back to this idea that naivete is rooted in continuing to believe the thing you believe despite all the evidence, like the yeah. evidence around you. Like, yeah. Yeah. that's what it comes down to, which is why I don't think Diana is naive. And it actually, Perfect. you know, to your point, it like leads into that conversation that she and, you know, Steve have on the boat where he is, he wants to agree, like you said, like he wants to believe it. And so mm-hmm. his the reaction is not condescending. It is not patronizing. It is, it is a conversation between two people in which he wants to subscribe to her perspective, like very exactly. much. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And I, 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 um, um, I, it's important that we're having that conversation now because this film is already three years old, and I think that that term comes out a lot still when it comes to describing exactly this type of Wonder Woman in this film versus the one that happened in Batman v Superman um, and even in the beginning of this film. So we still use naive as a way of describing this Wonder Woman character. And the film has been three years old now. If we don't start having this conversation of being, hey, wait a minute, is it wrong for how she is like right now in her origin story? Like, it's important that we have this conversation because otherwise we're just going to, this film will continue to grow into being a representation that she, that we could have the wrong um, perspective on, on her growth as, as a character. Um, um, and, and maybe it doesn't like solidify little... like one, one idea because yeah. I mean, look at, look at Batman. I mean, come on. Yeah. Like um, there's one way to tell that story. Let's, let's move so, on. So, 
Moving backwards a little bit, um, uh, Preeti, I didn't know if you had um, uh, any statements or points, but we're, we were just talking about Steve Trevor um, not being a, a mansplaining type of <laughs> bad role model <laughs> for for people who are looking for like uh, a male supporting character uh, for Wonder Woman. Um, but yeah, did you have any uh, opinions yeah, on that? I love Chris Pine. I love his... I love his performance as Steve Trevor. I love the writing of the character because I feel like I remember when I first saw it, I was like, they kind of damseled him, which I appreciated, right? <laughs> like they, he's, mm-hmm. he's the damsel in distress in this movie. And obviously he's still a male character. So he has significantly more agency than that trope tends to um, go hand in hand with. But I think he plays it really well in that they do fairly consistent. I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen the entire movie, um, but they do a good job of making sure that it never feels like he is in charge to the extent that he can control her actions or that she will dictate her actions based on him. And so mm-hmm. this boat scene feels like a very, like it's very flirty, it's very fun, but it's also very even, even-footed between the two of them in that there are things she knows that he doesn't know and he kind of gets like, very uncomfortable at moments, which I love, like, to see, you know, her lying back and being like, you, you know, there's space, like, it's your choice, but there's space, and him being like, ah, he's, uh. you know, it's like this wonderful kind of awkwardness that they're both, that he plays into, and that's very rare to see in a romantic interest in a film like this. I mean, like, right off the the, the back, he just, like, I I think he's, uh, I think he feels intimidated. Yes, agreed. <laughs> Which is as he should. Phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean yes. like you can't like there's no other <laughs> there's no other feelings that you should be feeling other than maybe maybe fear, but that's <laughs> But that's okay. Like fear yeah, is that's, okay. You're good. You're you're good with that one. He's um, like I I'm I'm afraid but I'm turned on at the same time. It's, it's that mark me down as <laughs> scared and horny. Yeah. <laughs> It's not a too horny group of five minutes, though, which uh, which I'm very happy for. Because, man, I'm watching some, like, some of these old Star Trek episodes are just, like, way too horny. It's like, come on, that is, really? That's not where I thought that sentence was going to go. So, but, like, it's just, like, come on when it's, uh, you're making things, like, uh, romantically inclined, especially this intimate with two characters. I think they did an amazing job with just it being just that. It's... Yeah, there's there's romance rooted in it. Uh, you can definitely see the intimidation in Steve Trevor and fear, um, but it's sweet. It's non-threatening, and uh, I mean it's it's not and it's too over- yeah yeah yeah, mm-hmm. and it's not too overdone. Like it's there wasn't like a uh, like a woo woo. I mean, we got like Steve Trevor in the bathtub, but it's not like Diana was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like we're doing any of that crap. So it's fantastic. It didn't get too sickeningly sweet, and it yeah. didn't get too like ooh raunchy. And like, and it didn't like make it seem like Steve Trevor instantly fell in love with her. Yeah. Like no. honestly, I think the only like really. And you can't really even, I don't even, I'll have that argument, but like the first time he saw her when he was in 
the water and it was like you know the angel he was dying (laughs) yeah that's that's where i saw like that only look where she was the angel on the wing Mm -hmm. it's like oh snap okay i mean this was was all about the potential that's what this 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 like three minute conversation they have is building building it's a building block to where we will eventually get it and that's kind of what's lovely about their relationship in this movie is that it it grows very naturally and it grows in a very realistic fashion as opposed to that awkward like love at first sight or whatever Mm -hmm. it is um so yeah this the scene is just absolutely wonderful yeah i i think um you know we we talked about how patty jenkins like her her direction for the film was you know step by step just making sure that uh, you know each scene moment is is right in its direction right in its like i guess ethics of like you know I, she said i want to make the film right i want to make sure it's right and then she was like i didn't even think about the the whole the whole film until i saw it from beginning to end that i was like oh wow it's actually really good because that's all she was focusing on like kind of more micro was like that it, that each moment has to be doing the right thing um and so having these two characters and, and the way that they develop their relationship and um is is right to us we say this is how you know these these kind of relationships should should happen um but not only that but this chemistry that gal gadot and chris pine have like i can't see two other actors producing the same kind of thing they could say the same words but like it's just gal gadot and chris pine hanging out in this scene like mm-hmm. it just seems mm-hmm. like them. It doesn't seem like they're really having to sh- challenge themselves and being different characters. And I can't see other actors doing what they're doing because that, to me, is just them. So like the chemistry is is almost perfect. It's I don't know. I think you're they right. They were they were cast well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just looks like they're hanging out, um, which is which is great. Um, because you can be like, yeah, it reminds me of Chris Pine, and that's like Gal Gadot's, like her, like body language, I guess. Like both of them, the way that they talk, the way they deliver their lines, it just seems like they're talking to each other. Um, and then there's that, those little humor, awkward, like little bits between Steve Trevor being like, I'll, I'll come sit with you. Like, you know, there's no problem. Like, it's it's so it's so well done that not only is it written right, but also the delivery is is just ever so charming. And you buy into it because you're like, it's it's not. Yeah. Like you said, Nate, it's not overdone. You're not Mm -hmm. like it's not overwhelmingly like. Okay, they're gonna have a bonding moment. It's not like or, this is a, a this is a point of exposition for something, right? Yeah, or he's not yeah. like fumbling over himself and like, yeah, uh, you know, I don't know. Just, yeah, it's hard to. I, I guess I'm thinking of like other other characters um, that have yeah. like a love interest and everything like that. Yeah, let's go with, I, let's go with Peter scene- Parker meeting Mary Jane Watson. <laughs> oh, okay, one. we're gonna. Ha- we're- <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to have this conversation? No, but, but no, Open absolutely that Pandora's not. Box. But the, the main main difference is, you know, what I guess maybe a high schooler versus a guy well, meeting a demigoddess. I was actually thinking of like if you're talking about in terms of like a natural 
progression. I actually really mm-hmm. love the way the Marvel movies handle MJ and Peter's relationship as it grows. You know, they are awkward teenagers. They are yeah. like kind of these like two idiot kids who don't know how to have those conversations. And so yeah. it's a different aspect, but it feels just as real as this as these two kind of adults who are from vastly different worlds and both of them out of their depth, but one has confidence and one maybe doesn't have that same level of confidence. Mm -hmm. And both of them feel like the writing is really strong. I I think it's, it's a little, um, for me, it's a little difficult to, to compare the two just because with Wonder Woman and Steve Trevor, these are two people who have developed lives like they like Mm -hmm. they meet and they have their viewpoints that are colliding. And then, you know, one is saying this is how it should be. And then Steve Trevor is saying this is how it is. But Peter Parker has many relationships and he's trying to figure out himself. He's not developed yet. Like he's got Mary Jane and then, you know, there could be Felicia or Gwen. And it's like he's trying to I guess he has different developments with each of them or something that's like that. That's what life is, though. Yeah, but that's yeah. that's his going with it. And But you're also seeing it from, like, you also have to take it from a, a demigod perspective versus a human's perspective. Yeah. And I say, I, I'm being honest, because even though Peter Parker is uh, well-endowed with superpowers, um, he is still <laughs> a human first. Yeah. And still she, she began as an Amazonian yeah. who happened to accidentally uh well not accidentally but uh was kept shrouded in the fact that she is a demigod Mm -hmm. um so she is still a little bit removed from humanity even though she does retain very real humanness to her she's still like above a little bit of a sphere above a run-of-the-mill human experience but that's yeah. where the relationship writing works, right? Yeah. Both, yeah. both instances take into account who the characters are and write yeah. the relationship accordingly and write the way they interact accordingly. Like, I think every, every line and every, you know, direction for this conversation between St- Steve and Diana is imbued with the idea of who they both are as characters, with Diana mm-hmm. having that confidence as someone who's grown up where she's grown up, with the power she has, with the knowledge she's been given and same with Steve in his position. Like, I love that moment where he, he's like, you know, jokingly, like I'm not average, like to be a spy, you have to like, blah, blah, blah. Like he has this lived experience that he wants to explain to her, but doesn't necessarily have the language to do it yet. And you see that in this, in that slight stiltedness. Mm -hmm. And so it feels very similar to me in terms of like recognizing who they are and writing their relationship based on that versus we want them to have this relationship and we're going to force it regardless of who they are yeah exactly Mm -hmm. exactly it's not just like two you know regular humans just connecting and like having that that, and and it again like you said previously it's not the main driving force between wonder woman stories in general i mean steve trevor is not always Mm -hmm. there yeah, I was going to say, it's so, kind of refreshing knowing that some at some points when she saves his life, that's their meet cute. Yeah. And yeah. it's like really weird. And then he's like super forceful spy, like army, blah, 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 blah. And then she's just like, well, I'm over here. And it just feels yeah. very disingenuous. And so it's nice to f- nice to get a genuine experience that you can even see yourself awkwardly being in in your real life. 
Mm-hmm. So even if you were not going to save the world and kill Ares, but you know, still awkward in yeah. a relationship. Without getting into it too much, I, I think sometimes when I watch any action film, it doesn't have to, be, or it doesn't have to be a comic book film or um, science fiction film. But sometimes I, I be, I'll be watching a film and like you see the main character and the romantic interests and it's purely a a lust thing sometimes and i'm like this relationship is forming because they just they just physically want to get involved and i and i see it and then by the end of the film when there's like some forced kiss or something i'm like ugh, like it's just oh like most bond girls yeah well yeah well that's come okay hang on So I think those of like, are those are they, that's a different e- category. Those I know, are, I know. Those aren't serious. So <laughs> the easiest one is probably the easiest one is probably um, Batman and Catwoman, uh, just because it's like you guys just want to do it with your masks on. I know that's what okay. everyone wants. Wait, like the way. Whoa, whoa, whoa! It depends, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends. Listen, she wants it to depends. defend Catwoman. <laughs> you know I'm a Catwoman stan, so like. The way it's written and whoever is delivering. So I feel like there is, it, it, it's hard. And I feel like there's a camp of people liking different iterations of Batman for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And it most of the time he's thrust into like a very, oh, this is an action perspective. This is, I'm the brooding, like, ooh, look at me, like playboy. It's all about the blockbuster effects. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's why I like the comic book versions of them a lot better because it's not it's not for that splashy mm-hmm. like gotta make millions of dollars, like look at Batman fly swing through with his bat whatever. You know, it's just it's they get to develop well, they get to develop as like actual people mm-hmm. and you get to see them both develop separately from each other as well as together here how about this as listen an i'm a Catwoman woman you, you, p- you picked a wrong what about soapbox for Aquaman me I'll, cr- and I'll, I'll crush both of those arguments with uh those they're uh those are just uh, crazy people that just like dress up as weird animals no here's around. the thing though you like here's the thing is what's unique about all of these characters is because they are comics and they have this long history it's so dependent on who mm-hmm has yeah. access to writing, who has yeah. access oh, to drawing, yeah. like, right? So it always <laughs> depends because one of the things when I was writing um, my Spider-Man book that came out last year that I had a big problem with was I wrote the book and then I got these notes back that were like, this isn't this isn't our Peter. Like, you were writing Spider-Man, but it's not our Spider-Man. And I yeah, had to think about Peter. it. <laughs> right. I was like, oh, right. This is my Peter Parker. Exactly. Who mm-hmm. may not be the same as, you know, the MCU Peter Parker. And so something you contend with is having to recognize that, like, the Diana Prince we're getting in this movie is a very specific Diana Prince, right? It's a very, oh, yeah. it's Patty Jenkins. It's the writers whose names I'm now not remembering. <laughs> but it's, you know, this very specific thing. So it's hard to even put it up against something like, Batman and Catwoman or Peter Mm -hmm. and MJ because they are there's Peter and MJ post Civil War event in the comics Uh, there's Peter and MJ in Earth not 616 like it's so all over the place yeah there's Peter and MJ in that second Civil War thing that happened in 2013 (laughs) or whatever (laughs) and yeah there and there may as well also be you know um Wonder Woman, Steve Trevor storylines that 
that fall into exactly what we're criticizing. Exactly. Yeah. And oh, I mean, I'm and sure and there are. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and I mean, we've we've had hours of discussion about that same very topic about uh, the Superman from this movie. So I mean, it's if that wasn't the the biggest red flag about who uh, is able to tell a story, then I don't right. know what was. <laughs> so. Yeah, and then like so, we get to we get to really dive in, into into the two characters and and see their relationship start forming. Um, but there's also a, a a couple of digs towards some social contra- uh, co- uh, social constructs, which is um, ideas like marriage, um, love till death do you part, and um, and then the other one would be uh, pleasures of the flesh and hey yo, what she say? <laughs> she like all twelve volumes of, of Cleo's. Um, treatises yeah yeah it's just basically like an encyclopedia <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like a comic it's sutra. not real but i gotta write it down it's yeah. not it's not real nate i'm sorry it's like i gotta put this in my amazon car hold so on it's, <laughs> oh, it's, oh, it's actually that? on sale <laughs> yeah oh, prime <laughs> delivery is this an essential uh, item <laughs> um <laughs> dating the podcast at this point but anyways that um, was very funny <laughs> yeah, so um, it's it's funny that they have this conversation about marriage and uh, love till death do you part. Um, yeah, you I want to talk about it, buddy. I <laughs> I think what's interesting for the two characters is that yes, they might be like for us as the audience, they might be making fun of a, a construct that we all that we know too well. Um, I criticize it all the time, but like for them, love till death do you part. It happens, but they continue to love each other afterwards. Because I mean, I'm probably spoiling the film, but oh, you guys this is so. I don't know if um, uh, it's really hard for me to just like pinpoint that. Um, that's cool to think about that. Like the till death do you part doesn't like apply to them, but like a lot of things don't apply uh, in a normal circumstance to wonder woman and also to wonder woman and steve trevor's relationship and i think love is the biggest one it's a very big influencer um and not in a cheesy uh way and not like we said and not in a uh forced way it's like in a developmental way and it's really uh the way i see it is that um the idea uh of the love between uh diana and steve trevor um just the fact that she felt that uh sets her aside from she felt something that was so powerful and for a demigod to feel like that towards a regular man i mean come on it sets her aside from just like i think anybody else even uh uh clark and and lois like they're not even on the same scale when it comes to it same kind of character uh, or same kind of romantically framed relationship um mm-hmm. but like not even anywhere close to, to to comparison. Who came up with that? Who's like, yeah, till till you die. Just like you could stop loving when you're dead. Like, it's like, uh, uh, well, Christ- I, I like. I guess I like the take here. I like the take here <laughs> like, that he God. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, yeah, because he spun it very secularly. <laughs> like, and, and well, it's like when Steve is explaining it to her, it's literally he's explaining it very secularly. Yeah. Yes. And we're going about judge. a judge mm-hmm. instead well, of it's, a minister. It's 1918. Yeah. So. Um. So like wasn't like I don't know wedding ceremonies 
Christianity uh, is still so flourishing all over the place. Wouldn't Wasn't, it be more religious since it yeah. was 1918 rather than, oh, I feel like yeah. that was a deliberate decision oh, on the yeah. writer's part yeah. to yeah. give us a, a Steve Trevor insight that he went secular and not religious. Yeah. So he's like, and and it's also nice that he did it because it's almost like a, it kind of it kind of makes it more absurd yeah. as a, a construct of like you have to go before somebody who enforces laws <laughs> you can't really tell to get married yeah. and it, it's like you can't really tell i mean i guess it'd be more uh comedic but telling a demigod that another god has decreed that you yeah it's weird how you marry she's like who is who, who is this god yeah, who, who? who what's what's their name oh boy I have to let him. Are there conversations of Wonder Woman talking to, uh, like religious aspects (laughs) in that sense? There's, like I said, hey, there's uh, Superman talking to Father Leone. I mean, there's like those types of things. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It'd be cool if that she just went to like a a Greek, like, well, like yeah, there's that. I mean, I've seen that before. There's and then and not just to meet the god, but to actually like pray to. Hey, how you doing, Diana? Nice to meet you, (laughs) Hermes. Hey, I heard you pretty quick. (laughs) I like those shoes, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Um, what uh, god? Gods meet and greet on top of Mount Olympus, nine p.m. Sunday nights. Zoom hangout. (laughs) Oh. Uh, Now you're dating it. (laughs) Now we're dating it. It's okay. People have been saying Skype for years, and now that. Man, they whoo, dropped the ball, didn't you, Skype? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, um, so um, the other the other co- construct, yeah, we're talking about. Um, we just continue to talk about it. love. I went on my whole love love. I guess spiel. yeah, it went from love. To, it, love it, can lead to pleasure. Okay. Could also lead to heartbreak, but Sh- you know. should I, I need to write that one down too? <laughs> um. I guess does anyone have any uh, statements for this one? Because it's, I mean, it is what it is. It's funny. It's, it's I guess the the part I like the most is um, Diana saying, "Oh, you wouldn't enjoy them because um, the conclusion was that men are unnecessary for uh, for pleasure itself." And and what I like most is is Chris Pine giving that like no like do <laughs> <Yeah>. they <laughs> that that, 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 that delivery is so good that moment is. No. <laughs> it's just sh- it's just like his own shock like oh what? Wait. Yeah. <laughs> it, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> um I have a question. Uh I don't think it's it's shown in this movie, right? What is at the uh I kind of want to I'm just going back to the love thing. Diana doesn't experience no maybe she does experience. It. It's not um shown uh any like form of like um heartbreak or anything like that right or like sorrow uh especially after even even after the fact like with the relationship with uh maybe we'll we'll get to that at the end of the movie but like in general with the relationship with steve trevor it doesn't really show that right because it's all like uh, meaning it doesn't end because it because he yeah dies ish i mean yeah it doesn't i mean it doesn't end but also it's not like a um i don't i think it's it, it plays to the fact that you know nothing can stop her or Ain't nothing gonna oh, you mean because you she isn't? It makes her, it makes her it, stronger. It's a, yeah, it's a learning experience. Yes, yeah, and it makes her stronger yeah. and stuff like that. Absolutely, especially in this universe as well. Going from uh, us seeing the relationship that she had with Steve Trevor in the past, and then going uh, moving forward to her 
gaining a friendship with uh, Bruce and everything mm-hmm. and that that thing going on and, and, and all that stuff. And then her also reaching out to Victor in Justice League as well. So like it's it's never like uh, halted the character in any way. You know, yeah, and, I, and we'll, it, we'll get more into it, especially when we get to that that part in, in yeah. the film. But it, it is kind of it's answered there in that moment because there's there's a scene between them. Then he dies, and then she she um, she learned from it, which is is what she needs to not be manipulated by Aries. So I guess Nate. it's like it's like it's not love is her her strength but it's not her weakness kind of thing exactly i like that which is i mean it's very go ahead sorry no no you go ahead (laughs) it it feels very prototypical superhero yeah right Mm -hmm. is that you have these iconic life altering losses but you don't get you don't drown in them you you use them to become better because it's a part of it's a part of living loss, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Superman's pretty selfish in his relationship, I'll say. <laughs> Fair. Fair point. <laughs> but it, it's also like uh, you could have easily, I guess, they could have copped out and like it. they yeah. would have treated her like a, a a throwaway woman character versus an actual superhero yeah. character. Yeah, and then the yes. line of yeah. like her of, um, you know, in the beginning and then even in uh, Dawn of Justice where she says, you know, I, I had my affairs with man 100 years ago and I'm not I'm not about that. Um, that wasn't just referring to just Aries. That was referring to everything and right. all that, that entire experience, this entire experience that we're seeing. So I'm throwing that love, I'm throwing this relationship and even Steve Trevor and all that stuff into that camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from that movie on, and even, it was even the previous movie, we see a growth mm-hmm. at the end, even at the end of that movie. Dang, this is, woo, woo, <laughs> Wonder Woman, you are f- knocking it out of the park in this here cinematic universe, I'll tell you what. Yeah, and I think um, kind of going with what you said, Pretty, about being uh, prototypical for the superhero, it, it is like for most people, they would, for, for the average person, they would be burned by um you know heartbreak and stuff like that and so what makes this character a superhero is that they don't turn their back on it kind of thing and i think um when you have those really good superheroes that i don't want to say uh they're just not burned by it and they instead like they know of it as a strength and a weakness i think that's that's what makes them the superhero that you should aspire to be instead of being like, well, mm. I tried, it didn't work out and, you know, and that kind of thing. So it's a good, it's a, it's a good way to create that kind of architecture for your, for your superhero and why they are protagonists. Why should we um, aspire to be that person? And what, what are they, what ideals are they teaching to me, whether it be through comic book panels or a comic book adaptation film, because at the end of the day, that's what these things are here for. These are stories that are meant to influence us to be uh, better people or stronger people emotionally and, and all that kind of things. And with Wonder Woman specifically, there's a lot of these things that we haven't had until, uh, f- for the general audience at least, like until this film came out and um, that we have these 
some of these topics that are talked about that we never get to talk about with Superman or Batman. You know, it's with Wonder Woman that we've been like, hey, this is something that people need to start having more awareness for mm-hmm. of, of how to be and, and, and some morals that, that you should like. Because for better or worse, there is a, a method to making a male superhero. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, before we move on to the next scene, did you guys have any closing notes on, on this one with the boat scene or you want to just go ahead and move on? Oh, the pleasure stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is for me. But if you guys have anything, um, <laughs> the next scene is um, this introduces General Ludendorff, a uh, real um, general in the World War One history. He, I believe, lived until 1937 in real life. Oh, um, man. I had his whole tab up and everything. I think I closed it. But he that. did suffer man, a killing major... it. Right? I am... <laughs> they, call sorry, me, sorry. Uh, they call me old Notes Nate. Because I always got him. Um, I think, what is it? The Spring Offensive where he lost in 1918? Yeah. Which is, I think that's what... Uh, the f- the this is supposed to be i think the end of this movie was supposed to like be like that version of the like this world's version of the spring offensive i, I think mean, i don't like i don't know much about world war 1 so if you, if you know go ahead and and lead the way <laughs> God, that's why i had the tab open and everything i was going to look up the spring offensive and what all happened into it and everything um no ludendorff dies in this movie right spoilers mm-hmm. yeah he dies yep sure does okay so be a huge bummer if he didn't though <laughs> right well then that would then i would be like okay then maybe like uh he went on and like uh historical events actually happened leading right. up to his death and all that stuff. <laughs> i guess the what the the one guy that's arguing well the boat was real <laughs> and that one guy is me <laughs> um yeah i think uh it's a collapse of the hindenburg uh, line in the capulation of Germany that November. Yeah, so all that you're saying a to lot of words allies. together. I was reading at the end of like okay. what the whole like Allied forces did during that time, and it was July 1918. So yeah, this okay. was definitely where are, um, we, where are we at? We're looking at Ludendorff uh, be very mean. He's just a mean guy, you know. Uh, mean, he's going... mean seems like such a soft term. He's he yeah. shoots a guy right. He shoots a guy right there. He's he's seems, mean. Uh, pretty evil. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty evil. Um, so like the production of uh, all their stuff is is behind, and he's you know just pissed off and everything. What I will say about uh, all these things that happen in like war movies and stuff, and I know it was because of the design of the car, but like who was the person that didn't put a handle on the inside of the car? I mean, really, <laughs> come on. He every time you're in World War One, two. Uh, you got a car, and they're in the forest and everything like that. The windows are down, and they reach out, and they have to grab the handle and everything like that. Like, what's going on? It's German Listen, engineering, baby. It's like a know. metal a metal shortage. I don't know. You'd rather That's... you'd rather build a plane than a car. <laughs> hey, hey, you you make a uh, you make a better plane than a car. I think that's <laughs> what they say, right? <laughs> uh, window Although these or door. were not these were terrifying planes as it was anyway. So. So, um, uh, I wish we had, um, again, it's, it doesn't matter, but I, little nitpicky things. I wish, uh, there were like location 
uh, cards just because I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Seeing like what's going on and like uh, especially like different parts of the world and everything. Um, yeah. Uh, and like, uh, uh, um, I guess it would have to like be very heavy-handedly uh, given to the audience as like an establishing shot, which is unnecessary in most parts. Um, but Ludendorff arrives at this facility uh, where Dr. Morrow is trying to make a new concoction of uh, death gas. Yeah, and I, I completely agree about the, the location thing, um, just because, like, for me, a person who has no knowledge, like, I don't know where he is. I don't know what part of the, the war it is because it, it's World War One. It's it's like the whole thing is involved. And I don't know how he ends up um, or where, I, I guess, more specifically where Wonder Woman ends up mm-hmm. as far as the war and then, like, how he gets involved. And so... We're, I mean, like, before when we had... Uh, it wasn't, like, a title. You know, it, it didn't show, like, location cards or anything like that or establishing shots, but it did have, mm-hmm. like, the Turkish flags uh, on the building. So yeah. we kind of assumed that that was... <laughs> In Turkey. And then that's where I went off on my entire uh, geographical tangent of trying to find Themyscira. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> next week, where I give you the answer. He's getting Ooh. close. He's not okay. getting close. I'm he doesn't close. know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, 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 like for, for that one, for when we got introduced to see Trevor, that one was a little bit more obvious because of the, the Turkish flags and the Ottoman Empire flags and being able to be like, Okay, this is the Ottoman Empire. And they're building what yeah. point it was and where it was and yeah. where that factory could have been and where Steve Trevor could have flown out of using that plane and Here we go. Where Here's his the strings. Ship actually would have landed uh with bullet holes in the The tearing. red thread. Red yarn. Sorry, Nate. All this Nate. stuff. All this stuff. You all this stuff. Cord. It's in the Amazon cart as well. Um but yeah, it, it, I think it just helps. Um, I also feel like maybe uh, playing devil's advocate to that no need for an establishing shot or yeah. markers is it's not, yes, this really happened, like parts of this really happened, but this story didn't really happen. Yeah. And It's just me being a jerk. Well, no, it's not, it's not you being a jerk. It's also like I feel they keep it ambiguous because... Still now, Germans feel very hurt by a lot of things that happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, it would kind of be a little distasteful to be like, oh, this is here in a fictitious movie. Sure. Let's keep hammering it in. Like, all right. right. I'll I'll go with that one. I like, I'm all for it. I wasn't saying that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No, I know. We're going on. Just like geography. Now I have a question. Uh, My main question about this scene is, is this the, I can't remember further in the film, and maybe it's a little bit better, but I do remember there being like a more close-up interaction between Dr. Morrow and Steve Trevor. But um, does her mouth uh, separate from like the cheek? Is that where the movement comes in, or is it all one piece? I mean, I, I know it's, it's separate. I but. think it's separate a little bit because is I actually it? enjoyed the the way the mask moved. Yeah. On her face, I thought it was really interesting. That's you know, why I was putting, pointing. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's cool. Putting aside the like problematic nature of the disfigured trope that is so much of the basis of evil villains in comics, mm-hmm. um, I 
did, I liked how the engineering of that mask worked on screen. Yeah. It was, a, it was, it's a little bit like, oh, the villain has to be like deformed. Yeah. Right. Op- it, opposite it, of Wonder Woman's beauty. Like the villain has to be not beauty kind of thing. Like one of those things, like, what is it? Like, uh, Wonder, power, grace is like the three terms that they use for Wonder Woman. Um, and like Dr. Maru has to be the complete opposite. So her her physical appearance reflects that as well, which could be a criticism. But then like, I guess more, we talked about it um, a couple weeks ago, but like more uh, historically accurate was the prosthetics of, of porcelain uh, for uh, World War One amputees and veterans. They just like, stick a piece of porcelain on you and it's like that's your prosthetic now uh you're you look human and it's like no i don't um Mm -hmm. but she the history is she did this to herself because she wanted to feel the effects of her own gas she likes the pain because she's a damaged person like like mentally but it's still yeah it's disfigurement on mental illness yeah right it's it it, it vilifies things that you can't help yeah exactly and I think that's where the issues come in. Yeah, Which but is- I do like that it's still very it, the they could have they could have not gone historically accurate and gave her some sort of monstrosity, but they chose to like keep it very like subtle. Overall, yes, really, I, it's very I, simple. I, yeah. Overall, I, I love her design. She's one of my favorite characters um, in this whole DC cinematic universe. I, I really. Um, especially with Steve Trevor's scene towards the end, I, I sympathize with the character because she's damaged and, and no one's really doing anything to to help her. They just continue to abuse her uh, her weakness of, of being passionate about entropy and stuff like that. I, I really enjoy the character. Um, and, but I... Um, I don't know if anyone else really feels that way, but I was just like, yeah, I, I feel like when she has, she doesn't really have a moment with Wonder Woman besides just being spared, but um, I guess that's all you need, but I, I always felt like, I, I like that um, bit of comic book history where Wonder Woman spares Cheetah and, the, and, and instead shows compassion towards her instead of being the the Wonder Woman that people normally like to spotlight, which is the Wonder Woman who would just go in and kill her villains and be like, oh, look at her. She's so ruthless and she does what needs to be done. I like the Wonder Woman who goes to these kind of characters and say, I know you're damaged and I want to help you and stuff like that. And I like that. And when it comes to like the Dr. Mario in this film, I like sympathize with that kind of character because I feel like, that's the whole point. You're supposed to feel sorry for them and want to make them better, make the world better that made them this way in the first place. My, is, that, is that working for anyone else? I, I, I'm, I'm more inclined to believe uh, your uh, adoration for her because I have, I don't know, I have no knowledge of Doctor. Not adoration. Morrow. I don't. I'm not being like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not being like. It's not like how I was with uh, like Scarecrow or anything where I'm like, oh, look, he's so yeah. cool. He's like got all these gas masks and his Scarecrow mask. That's kind of cool. Is it weird that you like like villains with poison gas? I There's like a, a theme. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang. I'm not even. <laughs> I didn't even realize it. Now I got I to gotta make. <laughs> now I'm just know. thinking. Do I? Yeah. Damaged people who like to manipulate um, others through 
gaseous. Sympathy is definitely like the main thing that comes to mind when it comes to Dr. Morrow, especially because uh, it's it it is unfortunate how the the two male characters that uh, she's seen with in this movie are main. I mean, the two scenes are manipulation. Yeah, it's like, come on, that's uh, what uh, the character should be doing is probably like maybe not should be doing, in my opinion, what the character uh, is adding to what's happening right now is um kind of like uh agent of chaos a little bit it's 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 like uh, it's it's like that x factor of just uncertainty um because we weren't introduced uh to her as like the main villain i mean ludendorff was we were all eyes are supposed to be on ludendorff here and then you got to look at her and be like hang on she's what's this character doing she's you know the just check her out and everything it's um like diana got the spotlight and Dr. Morrow is in the shadows when well, she she's really the whole driving force behind Ludendorff's power at this yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's bolstering a male uh, like figurehead, whereas mm-hmm. Wonder Woman is the male figurehead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is like if you if you really look at this five minutes, you could you could probably spend more time just contrasting the two scenes that we saw Diana and Steve Trevor and then. Dr. Maru and Ludendorff and the, it's they're the same scene played like opposite like of who the characters are and how they interact and like what their relationships are like one is very like they they come from different worlds but they're learning together and then Ludendorff is just like just it's just a manipulation scene and, and taking advantage of kind of thing I guess so I think you could really probably spend more time just contrasting them Uh, um oh i'm sorry Um, no no no. you're absolutely right (laughs) but (laughs) i was trying to i was trying to say that um with uh with steve trevor like not being um what word did we use uh condescending um sure do we get ludendorff being condescending uh towards uh, did we get him being condescending towards uh, any work that Morrow is doing with the project because she's here, seen here, like, crumpling up papers and, like, obviously nothing's working for her and everything like that. We just saw Ludendorff shoot a guy in the head because <laughs> whatever it went is not, you know, up to pace here at the factory. Does Morrow, does she have a fear towards Ludendorff um, or is it strictly, like, uh, just work-based for her? Um, we'll get into it. Oh, well, I was going to ask because it's been so long since I've seen the whole movie. I I do kind of because I think what Dr. Morrow brings up for me is the idea of uh, both agency and being complicit, because I think while she does have a lack of agency, it doesn't erase how how she is complicit. Right. Because there's that scene in where there's they're at the party or whatever and doesn't she give some whole kind of monologue about why she's choosing to continue to do the work mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think yeah right Mark, Dis- yeah. despite that so there's she's like this, explaining it to steve right mm-hmm. and so yeah. there is this of course like she is being manipulated and you know she is in this like situation in which she has a passion for her work but to deny that she 
also is completely complicit in the in the destruction that her work leads the way to you know like you said she is the Mm -hmm. power she is allowing this horrible man to be in power with her um Mm -hmm. with her talents and so it's a complicated space for this character to exist in the way she exists because you can't decontextualize her from the trope and what that trope represents so it's it's difficult i think she's a difficult character to reckon with yeah uh, we um next week um when the scene continues we'll see how ludendorff treats dr maru and it's not condescending at all which is like the questionable part of it all because we did just see him shoot a guy in the head but then how he acts towards dr maru is like the complete opposite but it in that scene with steve trevor and dr maru they uh Steve Trevor is the one explaining to Dr. Maru, like, oh, I know how you are and who you are and why you do the things that you do. It's Steve Trevor explaining it to her, saying, I know you. And then she's like, oh, someone understands me? Mm-hmm. I'm now falling for that. Well, it's because, like, uh, Ludendorff is grooming her. It's right. like a grooming, it's a yeah, grooming yeah, yeah, technique. Yeah. It's not like a, a condescending thing it's it's literally like he is pulling the strings in the best way for her to not notice that he's also doing yeah, it right feeds that that complicity um yeah and so yeah and that's exactly that's exactly the dr maru right there um so if, if this is she says that it, it's over general and then i'm thinking well if you're saying the spring offensive that he that strategic failure that he has did that happen? That happened. And that's what she's referring to, that we had this major defeat, and now we're in this situation? Like, it already happened, and that's why we're here? Oh, maybe, because I don't think, I think the, yeah, probably. Because maybe. then, like, again, I you guys it, harked on me for getting historical. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I just <laughs> meant about geography, not <laughs> actual history. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I'm just telling you, you're never going to find the mascara. Um, but, uh, <laughs> no, with, uh, it's the title of this episode is called uh, Nathan's Crushed Dreams by, <laughs> by Mark. Um, with, uh, because if this is where, if the spring offensive has already failed, then that would explain why later on in uh, about a few weeks from now, we'll have Ludendorff speaking with the other German generals and it would be like, we have to sign this armistice or something like that. That's yeah. when they talk about surrendering, and he's like totally against it. He's like, I'm not going to do that, which I think in real life he did do that. But, you know, okay. I mean, and then he lives to about 1937. Come back that week, and we'll have uh, historically accurate information. Yeah, then you could be historically Yeah, that's what I remember, because he lived till like, uh, what, what did you just say, 1938? 1937. 37. Yeah. So um, maybe it was, uh, hey, maybe Aries was keeping him around, right? You never know. I mean, there was a second world war. Like he was like hide. He was hide. Oh God. Listen, what is, what is dead may never die. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, I think that's it for me. I don't know if you guys have anything else um for these five minutes before we wrap up. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. No. No, I think that's it. Although this, uh, I did want to point out that this set, uh, Morrow's like laboratory and stuff, and I guess we'll see it a lot more next week. Um, I th- I uh, love the entire design of this thing. Um, just everything about it, to be honest with you. Uh, the lights that are on the wall, uh, on the roof ceiling that are going over. Um, 
and just that one like line uh over the table i think that was i i don't know the way it, it like lines up in the scene right there and now they continue to go through like the glass window that's through the circle i thought that was just beautiful that's just yeah. me being being a weirdo sorry no absolutely i mean there. Th- there's are people who like um like world war era like science and like experimentation oh i mean like the beakers and stuff is cool yeah but i was just looking at like really just like really just this room with like this whole window pane that's just uh all the way across Nate the really likes wall. windows i really like the architecture of this this scene right here it looks no this fantastic. is not the first time you've mentioned windows either in this yeah. podcast yeah. so it's you're just a window guy i'm a window guy <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice window you got here yeah um all right. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up for today. Pretty, thank you so much for joining us. Um, before we leave, do you just want to remind people where they can find you and what you got going on? Yes, you can find me mostly on Twitter, especially nowadays, uh, at Run With Skizzers. That's S-K-I-Z-Z-E-R-S because I didn't know it was going to be important when I signed up for it. <laughs> And uh, you can find all my books on my website, prethechipper.com. Please pre-order them. I have Marvel Avengers Assembly number one coming out in August, the Clone Wars Anthology coming out in August, and a picture book called A Jedi You Will Be coming out in October. Um, And then you can check out my podcast, The Spider Cast with... Oh, no, The Spectacular Spider Cast is what it's called, with (laughs) Alex Segura, um, which we tweet about it on Twitter and stuff, so you can find it there. Cool. Thanks for having me. This was super fun. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank for, you. Thanks. thanks for like keeping up with the the everywhere. With the it, weird. With, yeah, with going <laughs> everywhere. Putting um, up with it. You can find us on all social media at DCU Minutes, and Johnny also does the Austin Powers Minute podcast. You can tune in and listen to all that raunchy goodness. It's and very different. It's very different. <laughs> um, and you can also find us on the Facebook group, the DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society, where you can join us, listeners who listen to the show and guests who have been on the show. Meet all there to talk about today's episodes or any uh, episodes that you're catching up on. And we catch, we will catch you next week for minutes 46 through 50 of Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman.